Our scripture reading for this morning is taken from Psalm 25, a psalm written by King David, verses 6 and 7. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindnesses, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me, for your goodness sake, O Lord. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray now that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. Please be seated. There are certain sermons that we hear that seem to hit home a little differently than others. Maybe they have something in them that resonate a little bit more than other ones. And that happened to me when I was in college here at Bethany. One day in chapel, the gentleman who was preaching uh, had a very interesting question as he started out his sermon. And he said something like this, if Christ came to visit your room, what would you feel that you need to hide the most? (laughs) If Christ came to visit your room or your house, what would you feel the need to run and hide the most? And think of that maybe not just in terms of a physical space, but, but maybe your spiritual house and, and your heart and your conscience and your mind. If Christ were to come and visit that, what do you feel a need to have to run and hide the most? It's kind of easy for us sometimes to forget about how much God sees everything and kind of fool ourselves into thinking that he's really not watching my little life and what's going on there. Years ago, I was talking to a friend of mine who was a security guard at a large store in town. And uh, he said, uh, he was telling me that they were catching about five, anywhere from five to ten shoplifters a day in that store. And uh, I said, why do you think so many people uh, end up getting caught at this? He said, well, I think people forget about all the cameras that we have all over the place in the store. At the time, they had only 12. Today, it'd probably be about 50 in a store like that. And he said, we have six hideout locations where security guards can go up and observe people. And there are often two of us on duty walking around as plainclothes customers just walking around the store as well. He said, they probably forget about how easy it is for us to observe everything. God's observation of our lives and even our minds is piercing and penetrating. It, It doesn't miss anything. Adam and Eve thought that they could kind of go and hide behind some plants to avoid God. Sarah, Abraham's wife, laughed at God's promise and and hid inside of her tent behind the, the tent. David, David who writes this psalm, he used military manipulations and political maneuvering to try to cover up his murderous plot against Bathsheba's husband. Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament, they conducted a secretive business transaction and thought that it went unnoticed by God. The Pharisees in Jesus' day believed that their thoughts against Christ were being concealed and hidden inside of their heads. But God wants us to understand something. There is no plant dense enough to cover you. There's no canvas thick enough to hide behind. There's no political maneuvering clever enough to outsmart God. There is no bookkeeping tricks that can get past him. There is no cerebral membrane in your head 
that is tight enough that he can't penetrate. The omniscience of God is not just simply a theoretical doctrine that we can study about in books and to expound upon. Rather, it is a living, breathing terror for the sinner to consider. When we think how strongly God hates sin and how firmly his judgment can fall upon wickedness. And he has a photographic memory. David is brought to see this and falls in repentance and says, do not remember the sins of my youth. Do not remember the sins of my youth. You know, little children face their own temptations. I just had my little grandchildren with me this weekend. Man, if you want to observe sin in all of its glory, whew, watch some four- and five-year-olds. But adolescence is a little different stage of life. Your age of youthfulness is a little different. There's something about that stage in life where, where we, we think that, that we can put things off so far. There's, there's no real thinking a lot of times about about what future consequences there might be. And we're tempted a lot of times during those years to use our age as an excuse for our behavior. We even see this in our court system. If someone's young enough, well, we're going to treat them a little bit differently. Is there any passage in the Bible that talks like that? Is there any passage in the Bible where God says, well, you were a teenager? No, not at all. His justice against my wickedness and sin is just as firm as against a 40-year-old. The sins committed, the commentator writes, the sins committed in youthful folly often rest heavily upon the conscience throughout all the years of maturity, and people can feel harassed by them. And I've met some individuals where that's the case. I remember talking to a friend of mine and uh, years ago, he told me that his grandfather, who was a pastor, his grandfather, when he was in his 80s on his deathbed, started to remember some of the stuff he had done in high school. And there was a girl that he used to pick on unmercifully, bully in high school. And so he called up one of his sons to go find this woman, now in her 80s as well, and to locate her and go to her in person on his behalf and to ask for her forgiveness because his conscience was bothering him so much. Now, David reminds us in this beautiful text that God wants you to know not just about his omniscient quality, but more importantly about a greater quality that he has for you. And that is his mercy. That is his loving kindness and compassion. David writes, Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindnesses, for they are from of old. They go way back. He says, According to your mercy, remember me. David is picking all of us up with all of our wickedness that God sees everything about us and, and carries us to the cross and brings us and sets us down at the foot of the cross. He's doing it about a thousand years or more earlier than that, as he thinks about the Messiah. The mercy and the grace of God is what every person in this room needs. And thank God, it's what we have from him. And David is expressing the certainty that he has, even though he knows he doesn't deserve this from God, but the certainty that he has in, in praying to God about this wonderful mercy. 
The work of convicting us of our sin and making us realize our real condition without God's help, that's the lesser work that God wants to do on you. It's important, but it's the lesser work. The greater work is to bring you the knowledge that your sins are forgiven, is to bring you his mercy, is to bring you his compassion, is, is to take and show you what his son has done in your place for you, not only paying for your sins, but giving you his perfect record. That's what God considers to be the greater work of his kingdom. And just like cool water rushing down from the mountains will automatically try to seek the lowest spot to reach and to touch, so it is with the mercy and compassion of God. When you are at your lowest point in life, when you are feeling inside of you the greatest terror about things you did when you were younger, that's when God's mercy seeks to find you faster than ever. Have you ever noticed in the Bible when someone, uh, in a story with Jesus or something where someone is crushed by their guilt, how quickly, how quickly Christ will bring his grace to them? How quickly, once repentance has taken place in the heart, God wants to rush there right away with his compassion and his forgiveness and his tender mercy. And so if there's something on your conscience today, even from this sermon, that's, that's bothering you and troubling you now and making you worried about God, then just sit still and listen to the, that cool water of God's grace as it comes down to you in these words from John. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses you from all sin. In the final years of his life, the man who wrote this, King David, and we think about the horrific sins he was involved in, King David speaks so thoroughly and confidently about this grace that covers him from God that he says this in the last pages of things that he writes about, that we hear about. He says this, listen to these words. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness, he says, my goodness, according to the cleanness of my hands. Notice, notice how thoroughly the righteousness is that he has from his Savior, that it's so much his, that he says, God is now dealing with me according to my good record. That's what you and I have in Christ, that we can boldly stand on Judgment Day and say, God is going to deal with me according to my perfect record, because that's what Christ has given you. Amen. Please rise, and let's join in those words from Psalm 25 printed in your bulletin as our prayer for today. Please join me. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindnesses, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Amen.